0: Welcome to the Infinite Project Podcast. My name is Stephen and I'm the owner of The Infinite Project. In today's episode, I wanted to do something a little different and talk about five books that seriously changed my life in a positive way. Uh, to give you guys a little bit of a backstory, when I was at school, from the time I was at school until probably around 22, I'd literally not read a book. I I'd read books obviously in school, but I'd never read a book out with school. I think the first book I read was uh, The Hobbit. <laughs> it was random book ever. And it was only because I remember getting read um, read that book when I was a child uh, in my primary school. And I remember thinking, oh, what, I wonder what happens in this book. And then I read that. That was the first book I read. And I kind of thought, oh, you know what? I quite like reading. So I started reading since then. And since then, I've read like a lot of books. i probably read on average, maybe like 20 to 50 books a year, depending on how much I've read. There was one year I read just about 50 books. and um, Last year was probably like 15. Um, so now I try to aim for quality over quantity and not just read for the sake of reading. But um, yeah, some of the books I've read over the last 10 years, some of them have had a massive, massive impact in my life and changed the way I think, changed the way I act. Um, they've changed the game for me, really. Um, but yeah, there's loads of books. I was actually looking through. I've got a system set up. Um, using a, a note-taking app called Notion. And literally on Kindle, that's where I read most of my books. I sometimes listen to them, but I try to read most of the time on my Kindle. And you can highlight your anything inside a book and then copy and paste that into a note. So I've literally got all the books I've read On the Kindle, I've got all the notes saved on a note taken app. So it's really good for going back and looking back through old notes or old books and thinking, right, okay, what was the key things I took away from that? So yeah, pretty handy little system. So I was just looking through all the books I've read the last 10 years and I picked out a few. Some of them I've read this year, some I read last year, some I read five years ago. And... but literally there was probably about 15 that <laughs> have that changed my life, but I thought that would be a pretty boring uh, podcast, 15 books that changed my life. So I thought, yeah, we'll, we'll narrow it down to five. So I thought I'd just go over the, what the five were and I guess some of the main takeaways I had from that book. And uh, yeah, you never know, you might find that it, you know, intrigues you and you want to go and read the book as well. So the first book I've listed down, which I actually read this year, I read it last month, January, uh, was a book called *The Untethered Soul* by Michael Singer. Uh, I seen this one pop up on my Amazon. It was like recommended, and it had loads of good reviews. And I always go on Amazon and look through the reviews. And um, when people are saying, "Oh, this changed my life," things like that, you kind of start to think, "Okay, this book uh, maybe it could be worth worth some time, spending some time reading." So. Downloaded the book, started reading it, and I guess the biggest takeaway I had from this book. Now, this book is all to do with the voice inside your head. Now we've all got this voice inside our head, and we all have thoughts and things appear when you know we're going through our day, and we can't really control this voice in our head. But this voice in our head has so much power over us. We could you could be having your best ever day. And then you have a bad thought or an anxious thought, or you worry about something in the future, or you worry about what you've said to someone, or whatever it is, you can instantly start to feel anxious, feel rubbish. And I never realized that how much that used to happen to me. I would be having a really good day, then I would start worrying about something that's not even happened yet, and then just feel awful all day. But I wouldn't even really like consciously be aware of it. I would just kind of feel off. Um, so I don't know if anyone else can relate to that. You, you'll, you can just be thinking about things and not even realize you're really thinking about them, but you just feel off. You just feel uncomfortable. And um, like it would get to the point before I kind of re- recognized I was doing this, that, you know, I would, I'd be sitting on this sofa and I would just feel really uncomfortable. Just, I, I didn't I didn't know what it was. It was almost like impending doom. That's the best way I could describe it. So yeah, this book was probably the like I say, it was just this last month. It was literally a month ago I read it. And it was like, wow, I feel like this book's speaking to me. Um, So yeah, it talks a lot about the voice inside your head and gets you to think about you as your conscious mind. You, you almost would imagine you sitting on a seat and you're just witnessing all these thoughts because we can't really control these thoughts. Thoughts all pop up. If you've ever meditated before, And like one of the practices in meditation, like mindfulness, where you focus on your breath and then just be aware of your thoughts. You'll see how many thoughts you have. Just in a 10-minute meditation session, you'll have like 50 bloody thoughts. So throughout the day, you'll have so many thoughts. And after reading that book, I really started to become aware of my mind and of the thoughts I was having. So when I had a negative thought, I'd be like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, where where did that come from? And because I was aware of it, it didn't impact me quite as well. Uh, quite as much, whereas before I would have had that negative thought and maybe buried it down a bit deeper and then I would have just felt off. I would have felt off. Um, so no, I, I took a few clips um, from from that book uh, that kind of stood out to me. One of the guy says, there's nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice of, your, of the mind. You are the one who hears it. If you don't understand this, you will try to figure out which of the many things the voice says is really you. So like I said, we all have weird thoughts in our head we all think weird things that we don't really believe um, and it's like well who is having these thoughts is it us or is it something else um, so yeah once you start to realize that you are just the witness to your thoughts um you kind of detach yourself a little bit uh, about them um, but no that book was an absolute game changer i wouldn't do it justice try to explain you know it's it's not a huge book i think it was like th- under 300 pages so it, you know it didn't take you too long to read but very, very good book. One of the, I think I'm going to reread it because uh, it, yeah, after that, I just became so much more aware day to day of my thoughts um, and how they made me feel. And if I did start to feel a little bit anxious, I would be thinking, okay, what's kind of going on in my mind right now? Oh, I'm worrying about this. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, whereas before, I wouldn't have been aware and I would have just felt rubbish. So, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, fantastic book. Yeah, one, one of the best books, probably my top five of all time, 100%. Number two, the second book, I read this one two years ago, um, and it's called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Um, this book, best financial book I have ever read, hands down. I've read a lot of financial books uh, in the past. I'm really interested in finance, investing, and things like that. Um, I've always been interested in that. I, like, I love reading about it. And, um, yeah, some of the books are all really good out there, but this one is by far, hands down, the best financial book I've ever read. Now, this goes through basically the psycholo- the psychology of money and how, you, how, how we all emotionally react to money and things like that. But one of the things it talks about is, uh, you know, I guess playing the long game with your finances. And I'll give you an example and then I'll read out as a small paragraph one of the stories in the first chapters. And it just talks about the power of compound interest and playing the long game. Now, here, I'll read read this statement out. So um, Ronald James Reed was an American philanthropist, God, I can't even say it, investor, janitor, and gas station attendant. He was born in rural Vermont. He was the first person in his family to graduate high school, made all, all the more impressive by the fact that he hitchhiked to the campus each day. For those who knew him, there wasn't much else worth mentioning. His life was about as low key as they come. He fixed cars at a gas station for 25 years and swept floors at school for 17 years. He bought a two bedroom house for 12,000 at age 38 and lived there for the rest of his life. He was widowed at age 50 and never remarried. A friend recalled that his main hobby was chopping firewood. He died in 2014, age 92 which is when the humble rural janitor made the international headlines. 2.8 2.8 million Americans died in 2014. Fewer than 4,000 of them had a net worth of over 8 million when they passed away. Ronald Reed was one of them. In his will, the former janitor left 2 million to his stepkids and more than 6 million to his local hospital and library. Those who knew Reed were baffled. Where did he get all that money from? It turned out there was no secret, there was no lottery, win, and no inheritance. Reed saved what little he could and invested it in blue chip stocks. He then waited for decades on end and tiny savings compounded over time into more than 8 million. And um, so that's it from a janitor. A few months before Ronald died, another man named Richard was in the news. So that, that on that um, paragraph there, it goes into another story about how someone else who was very wealthy and then uh, through some of the bad decisions he made, wasn't wealthy. And the whole premise of the story was like, you know, it's not about how much money you make, it's what you do with the money. And, uh, you know, if you've got a long-term vision, you, that's where you can really start accumulate wealth. So that book was absolutely fantastic. It goes through all different things, different scenarios, different stories like that. But that story always stood out to me. And the guy was a janitor and he just was clever with his money, lived a a life doing things that he really valued. He didn't, you know, waste all his money on things that he wasn't really he didn't really value. He wasn't trying to impress society um, you know, by playing the status game. He just literally put his money away and, you know, he died at ninety two and managed to donate six million to you know, his local hospital and library leave two million to step stepkids. Like, wow, what a, what a legacy to leave behind. So no, really good book, The Psychology of Money. When I read that, I just totally flipped um, the way I kind of view money and the, the psychology behind it. And um, yeah, it's not about being frugal and not spending any money. It's about, you know, spending money on the things that you really, truly value in life uh, and get, you know, a lot of value from and not buying things to impress other people. So yeah, that book was brilliant. Really, really good. The third book on my list here is, I read this one probably five years ago, four years ago. And uh, yeah, this is probably when I, I had a massive, I guess, mindset shift. And that book is called 12 Rules for Life from Jordan Peterson. If you've heard of Jordan Peterson before, he's been in the news with some political things. Um, but before that, um, he, he's done a lot of lectures on um, online. He's got tons of lectures. He's like a clinical psychologist. And he's talking about, Basically taking responsibility and finding purpose and meaning in your life. And if you look through some of his lectures, I've listened to most of them. Um, He's done ones on uh, the Bible. Uh, he's done ones on uh, different uh, um, psychologists throughout the years. And he's done all these kind of crazy... Um, breakdowns of like what the meaning behind the lion king is pinocchio like all the disney films and it's absolutely mind-boggling but um yeah i've listened to a lot of his stuff online and some of his lectures and things like that they're all absolutely brilliant and uh yeah it really makes you want to up your game so his book came out 12 rules for life actually maybe i think it was 2018 it came out so yeah bloody is 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 five years ago um so yeah really really good book that's his he's, he's another book he took out years before called Maps of Meaning, but it's very, very complicated. I've still not gotten through it, but the 12 rules for life is brilliant. So the 12 rules, these rules are just rules that he basically had written up on a website called Quora, I think it's called, where people can ask questions. And he wrote this massive list of basically rules to have in your life to make sure you live the, the best life possible and have the, the best impact, I guess, in life. Um, so the rules are, the first rule is stand up straight with your shoulders back, and that's all to do with standing up tall. Um, he, he talks about the science behind lobsters and how the serotonin is like a hormone in the brain, so that when someone, basically your brain knows where you are in society, like status-wise, uh, and people who are tend to be more successful and have more Confidence and things like that uh, tend to stand up straight or like what the lobsters do. So I'm, I'm probably a butcher on it, but yeah, it was all basically about standing up straight and taking on the world as opposed to crunching down and hiding yourself. So I'm probably absolutely butchering that chapter, by the way, but yeah, worth a, worth a read. The second one is treat yourself like someone you are responsible for he- helping. Um, very interesting chapter. It's just talking about how, you know, you need to look after yourself first before you try and help everyone else. And um, like there was a study he mentioned where, um, there were a lot of people who, for example, have life-saving medication. They would forget to take it, but if they their dog had life medici- um, life-saving life medication, there's no way the dog would miss it, because <laughs> they would ha- they would have every single pill there. Or your kids, for example, if your kids are unwell and you've got to give them medication, there's no way you're going to miss uh, one pill for that day. But when it's yourself, it's very easy to be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, there was a study in there, and that was quite um eye-opening. Um, and yeah, I guess quite often like especially doing what I do like I see a lot of people who put themselves to the back of the queue and they help you know their their partners first their 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 kids are first their jobs first everything else comes first and they're the back of the queue so yeah you treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping like imagine you were looking after the clone of you you would want that person to do well um and not you know, you don't want them to put themselves last. The third one was make friends with people who want the best for you. Um, so again, I just talked about like your environment and those around you. Um, you know, if people are not listening to you and you're you're talking to them and, or they don't really have your back or they don't really believe in you or they're not good for you, then sometimes it's, it's you know, as difficult as it is, it's, sometimes it's better to kind of shy away from those kind of people. You want people around you who genuinely want the best for you. The kind of person you can tell good news to and bad news to. Um, you don't want someone around you that, you know, when you tell them good news, they're just jealous and spiteful. Um, you want people around you that genuinely want the best for you. So that chapter was really good. Uh, chapter four, this was probably the most um, one that spoke to me. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not who someone else is today. Now, this was t- completely talking about comparison. and um, We all compare ourselves, especially on social media. We, you know, it's just an absolute highlight reel anyway, but we can, we're so guilty of comparing ourselves. It's like... You could come home with a new car and you could be absolutely delighted with this car. Then your next door neighbor comes home with the the sport version and you instantly feel like your car shit. Or you could get a pay rise at work and then you tell your your best mate and he tells you, oh, I got double that. And you instantly feel like your uh, achievement's worth nothing. So we're all really guilty at comparing ourselves. Same with like results. You might have lost two stone and be absolutely over the moon, but your best mate's lost three and he looks even better. Uh, And you know, it's very easy to compare our results in anything in life to other people. But at the end of the day, our journey, our results are our own, not anyone else's. So try and compare where you were before to where you are now, not where someone else is. And um, So that that one was brilliant. Do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. That was all the tea with bringing up kids. Very interesting one. Um, I, I'm not going to go too in depth with that one. Set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. This one was very, very interesting. It was talking about how Nowadays, quite a lot of people want to go and change all these massive issues in the world, but their own lives are not even in order. And and yeah, if we we'll all get our act together, uh, you know, it will have a bigger impact on the world, I guess. So it was talking a little bit about that, but it was literally just saying, look, get your own life in act in order before you go and try and change the world. Um, and yeah, main takeaway for that was for me was like, you know, get things in order, get your your. I think he talks about you know, tidy up your room. Um, it, you know, it sounds so ridiculous, but doing little things like that, tidying up your workspace, just making. things things ordered, um, just gives you so much more clarity. And um, yeah, that was a a really good good one. Pursue what is meaningful, not as what expedient. That was all to do with finding a a, a bigger purpose and and what what you're doing and making sure what you're doing actually means something to you. Uh, Tell the truth or at least don't lie. Uh, Again, that was just about being truthful. Uh, You know, as hard as that is, I know we can all tell, uh, I guess, little lies to to make people feel better, I guess, but it kind of touches on that. Assume that the person you're listening to might know something you don't. This one was really interesting. So when we're having conversations with people, it's very easy to almost like, once I've said this, it'll maybe stick in your head it's very easy when you're having a conversation with someone to think about what you're going to say next and not actually listen to what they're saying. Now, I was horrendous at doing this before. I was always wanting to get my point in or, you know, put my little wee bit in. But literally, when someone's telling you something, it's very easy to almost think that, oh, right, I'm just getting, I know I know what what to say next. or That's all that's on your mind. Um, so it does talk a little bit about that, but um, it was also talking about how, um, you know, at times we can almost think that we know everything and, you know, we don't really, if it doesn't, if somebody's talking about something we don't really understand or or some or a topic we already think we understand, then we just don't really listen to them. But sometimes it's good to listen to people and really take in what they're saying as well. So I'm probably butchering on that chapter as well, to be honest. Uh, chapter 10 was be precise in your speech. Um, chapter 11 was do not bother children when they are skateboarding. That one was to do with... Uh, let your kids do things that are kind of dangerous. Don't basically model model coddle them all their life because that's not a, a good way to bring up kids either. So that one was quite interesting, um, and the last one was pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. Now this one, I'm trying to remember what this chapter was actually about. It was more to do with, I think it was more to do with like when the simplicity of life, like petting a cat on the street. Like sometimes when you've got a lot going on in your life, it was something to do with that. I, I, again, I'm absolutely butchering it, but that book was absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I couldn't go into each chapter, I can hardly remember half of them, but I guess the main takeaway for me from that book was to basically take on responsibility uh, in your life, uh, treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping, that one really stood out to me, uh, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not who someone else is today, that was another one that was really, really good for me, um, and that's probably the main ones I took away from it, but yeah, really good book. Book number four was Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, now, David Goggins is an ex-US Navy SEALs. Uh, I think it's a SEALs. Uh, and he he literally went through what they call Hell Week, which is this week where you're basically doing all these crazy stuff with the, the Navy SEALs where they try to break it, you don't get to sleep. I can't remember how many days they're 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 awake for. It's absolutely insane. But he did it three times. He had to pull out twice. I think because he broke his leg on one of them. And this guy, uh his story is insane. So he says in his book uh, that he was basically a loser and uh, he used to spray for cockroaches around um, fast food restaurants. He used to go through and do that at night. That's what his job was. And he was 100 and... I can't remember exactly how much weight he was overweight. It was like 120 pounds or something crazy like that. <laughs> overweight. And he uh, he eventually got his kind of life together and he lost all that weight in something ridiculous like like four months. It was like insane. Like if you read the book, it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling. And he's now turned into this probably the toughest man in the world or the most disciplined. If you look him up online, the guy is an absolute savage. He's gone on to do, um, you know, 200 mile runs. He broke the world pull-up record. He's just an absolute savage. And listening to his book, it was really good because if you look him up just now and you'll see what he's like now, you're like, wow, this guy's a maniac. He's like on another level, but you actually get to find out what he was before that. He was just normal. He was below normal. He was below average. He was There was nothing special about him, but... Um, yeah, his journey and where he's at now is insane. Like one of the things he did, he ran a, he ran a 100 mile uh, marathon for for some of his fallen uh, kind of Navy SEALs uh, for charity and uh, he had no training. He just turned up and did it and he got to like mile 70 and his kidneys were failing and he crapped himself and uh, oh, he was in a really bad way and he got back up and, and finished it and pff, I've honestly no idea how anyone could run 100 miles with zero training. Like that just blows my mind absolutely blows my mind for anyone that's listening to this that runs uh absolutely insane but no can't hurt me what i took away from that was um sometimes it was like that inner he talks about the inner bitch in your head uh the person who's like always you know putting you putting self-doubt in your mind and you know sometimes we'll listen, listen to our own bullshit and um, but he's all about i guess becoming a bit more disciplined like after reading that i instantly became more disciplined Uh, i started pushing myself a little bit harder in the gym i started being more consistent when it came to running we're getting up early uh, and every time i'm slipping up i always think of david goggins crap here he goes again um so no can't hurt me is an amazing book i'm not doing it justice again uh definitely worth a read and the last one i wanted to this one um had a big impact on my sleep so it's called why we sleep by matthew walker now it sounds like an absolute slog fest like who the hell's gonna read a book about sleep but i read this book in 2019 i think it was uh, when we we're on honeymoon and um i remember buying this book and i thought oh, it looks interesting it's got some good reviews and uh, yeah after reading that book it completely, completely changed the way I look at sleep. Um, now, I, I, obviously, we all know we need sleep, and we know it is quite important for health. But I had no idea how important it was. Like one of the ones they were talking about, um, they were talking about your chances of getting Alzheimer and um, was it Alzheimer's disease, and also what was the other one? That, or maybe it was just Alzheimer's. I thought it was another disease as well. There was Alzheimer's disease. Um, was massively increased if you're getting less than a certain amount of sleep, so everybody needs different varying amounts of sleep, but they found that over 60% of patients with Alzheimer's have at least one clinical sleep disorder, and that they were just going over all the science about sleep and how it impacts long-term health, um, and yeah, it's absolutely mind-boggling. That one about Alzheimer's was, uh, in dementia, I think that was the other one they mentioned, Um but yeah, it's absolutely insane. Like they said, here's another statement I've got on my notes here. Over a 14 year period, those sleeping six hours or less were 400 to 500% more likely to suffer from one or more cardiac arrests than those sleeping more than six hours. Like there's stats like that in it. And it just it almost scares you a little bit. Because uh, for a while, back in 2019, my sleep, I started to sleep, I was like six hours a night, sometimes just under it. And, uh, Yeah, I would go to bed late and get up quite early and I I was quite often tired all the time to be honest but I just kind of normalized it and then I read that book and I started reading about all the health (laughs) <laughs> like how it can deteriorate your health, your recovery, uh, your focus, your your memory. Uh, it does all these different things. Um, and I started reading through th- this book, and it completely changed my mind about sleep. So now, uh, minimum sleep I usually get is like seven and a half hours. That seems to work perfect for me. Yes, yeah, sometimes it's less if the sky's up through the night or something like that. But majority of the time, I'll try and get at least seven hours, bare 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 minimum. Uh, whereas before, I would I wouldn't bother Mars. I would just. Slept six hours or five hours and just thought, "Oh, get on with it. Have a coffee." Um, but no, hundred percent. That book was insane. It sounds an absolute s- slogfest. Uh, but it goes over different things. Like it talks about caffeine, uh, the half life of caffeine. So if you have a coffee in the afternoon, uh, half of that coffee still going around your system at like midnight, depending on when you've had it. Um, so little things like that. And um, so I know a lot of people have coffee late at night and they say it doesn't affect their sleep, but you'll maybe fall asleep, but it's the quality of sleep you're having. Um, it talks a lot about that. It talks about um, blue light like, you know, late at night and what it does. Um, it blocks your melatonin, which builds up in your brain and makes you feel tired. Um, absolutely crazy. They've done some studies on there. I, after reading that again, okay, I still go on my phone now and again, but I try to uh, come come away from that. Um, but yeah, there's I've taken honestly so much notes on this. There's probably like 5A4 pages, uh, so I'm not going to go through all them, uh, but it gave it some advice uh, with regards to, to sleep, like how, how to improve it, like one of them was to s- stick to a sleep schedule, try and wake up uh, and go to bed at the same time each day uh, as as often as possible, because uh, your body likes to, you know, it's a, we're all creatures of habit, and it's a really good thing to get into the habit of doing, it's good for your body, it's good for your kind of circadian rhythm, um, they said exercise was great, but not too late in the day, because that can affect um, sleep quality. It said avoid uh, caffeine after two p.m. because it's still gonna be a lot of it still get to be in your system later on. Uh, alcohol before bed absolutely ruins sleep. So yeah, you're kind of screwed. You've got a night out. Large meals before bed really bad for sleep. I've got one of these aura rings, and yeah, can definitely attest to that. Every time I have a big meal late at night, my sleep quality is rubbish. Um, it also talks about not having naps after three p.m because uh, that can make it harder to fall asleep but naps are actually more beneficial and um, it also said hot bath before bed can be really good because once you warm yourself up or a hot shower your body's then got to work to cool yourself down again and that can help you get back to sleep uh, a dark bedroom a cool bedroom a gadget free bedroom that's what i recommended environment wise uh, having the right sunlight exposure so getting daily sunlight Outside in your face. It was really good for your circadian rhythm as well. And it also said not to lie in bed awake. Um, if you find yourself lying in bed for more than 20 minutes and you can't sleep and you're starting to feel Anxious or worried, it says get up and do something until you feel sleepy again. So that was some of the main uh, tips it gave for improving your sleep. But no, that book, like I said, was a. <laughs> I read that and thought, what the hell? I'm not like restricting my sleep anymore. Um, so no, again, I'm not doing it justice. There's so much information in there. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth a read. And uh, so that's five books that changed my life. The Untethered Soul. It was the first one. That was more to do with the voice in your head and becoming aware of your thoughts and how they can. Bad thoughts can make you feel crap about yourself. Psychology and Money was all to do with uh, kind of emotions to to money. Very interesting book. 12 Rules for Life was all to do with basically responsibility and finding purpose and meaning in your life. Can't Hurt Me was that maniac David Goggins um, who's literally, if you look him up, you will not believe the guy he is now. Amazing book. You'll want to go and run a marathon after reading it. And Why We Sleep, Matthew Walker, was all to do with sleep and why it's important. Like I say, sleep is honestly more important i used to think sleep was like ah, yeah it's sleep you need sleep blah, blah 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 but now sleep is like essential for for anything in life for your recovery for your focus for health like the health um, you know what it does to your health if you're not getting enough sleep is insane absolutely insane but no w- well worth reading i know a lot of people struggle with their sleep um, so you might find something in there that might help you improve your sleep and uh, yeah you know it's a massive difference like honestly i I normalized 2 p.m. Feeling like I was getting fall asleep. I no- Just through p- poor sleep. I was always tired in the afternoon. I could have literally went to my bed at 2 p.m. most days. I felt horrible. It was really hard to keep my eyes open. Um, and I normalized that. Where now I just, since I've sorted out my sleep. Absolutely night and day difference. I'm never tired. Can't remember the last time I bloody yawned through the day. <laughs> I get tired when I go to my bed obviously. But um, yeah, I'm not tired through the day anymore. Massive, massive difference. And I stopped having caffeine late in the afternoon. 2 p.m. is a cough. Uh, and yeah, get to sleep, absolutely perfect. So yeah, different podcast today, a slightly longer one. Uh, I've probably butchered some of those books, but those five books um, all had a significant impact on my life. There's honestly about another 10 I could have spoke about, but those five have, uh, yeah, all made a serious difference um, and, and changed things in one way or another. Um, so yeah, hope you found that useful. Um, if you wanna ping me a message about any of those books you've maybe read as well, uh, more than happy to hear if you guys have read any of those uh, and if they've had any impact on you as well because uh, I know a few people I've spoken to in the past have read some of those books um, But yeah hope you're all having a good week so far and um, we will catch up however next week